Breaking down Wisconsin basketball. This is The Swing with Zach Heilprin and Jesse Temple on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. It is The Swing. Jesse Temple of The Athletic is here. Uh, I am not Max Klesmet. You guys have had some high-level guests and voices on the pod. I am Zach's co-worker, WOZM. I'm Grant Bills. Jesse, thank you for putting up with me. Welcome. I don't have to put up with anything. We've only been doing this for like 10 seconds. So I guess I can tell you at the end whether there was much to put up with. But I appreciate you filling in for Zach. And I know we've got a lot to talk about with regards to Badger Stoops. Well, this is just a really fun team to talk about. You know, on on my show, I'm I'm on WOZN in the evenings. um, And I love talking about Badger basketball because often they're, they're a better topic. You get a lot of calls and, you know, regular season games matter a lot more than a team like the Bucks, for example. So if the Badgers win a really close game, you know, people are on fire to talk about it. Whereas if it's the Bucks, maybe that's not the case. Um, I was listening to your guys' episode last week, and it was just coming off of their first loss in the Big Ten to Penn State. And then a Friday night game, Friday night game, I believe, against uh, Indiana, where they won, but maybe, you know, some hiccups in the second half, maybe not as as commanding and as comfortable as, as some fans would have liked. And you and Zach talked about some of those concerns that maybe popped up against Penn State and maybe started to show a little bit against Indiana. Since then, we've we've gone to Minnesota and won great wire-to-wire win against Michigan State. Have you seen things over the last week that make you feel better, maybe about some of those concerns that popped up last week when you and Zach last talked? Definitely, and I think we've talked about before uh, on the swing that the defensive issues that popped up were fixable. They felt fixable. This is a team that had played very well defensively in some big games. The Marquette game certainly comes to mind, and if you just tweak a couple things, they have the athleticism. They are defensively sound for the most part in terms of their knowledge of what Greg Gard wants to do, but you have to go out and execute. You've got to keep some of those more athletic guards out of the lane. And I knew they were going to have to win games like the Minnesota game where they're not going to be scoring 78 points every game. And that to me, it showed me a lot. It's funny because I think there are some fans who look at that and say, Oh, they beat a bad team only by two. And it's like, look, let's, (laughs) if you're a Badgers fan, Take the wins as they come. Enjoy uh-huh. any win. And, I mean, it's it may be cliche, but you win on the road in the Big Ten. I don't care who it's against. They didn't do that against Penn State. Minnesota always plays Wisconsin tough, or at least it feels that way. And that was a game Wisconsin very easily could have lost. The Badgers had a 15-point lead in the first half. All of a sudden, with 12 minutes left in the second half, Minnesota hits a three, and then there's a, a charge call. Tyler Wall's trying to drive. And Minnesota's got the ball up one, and – the barn is absolutely rocking and Wisconsin finds a way to win that game. So Wisconsin beats Minnesota 61 59 and then comes back home and beats Michigan state 81 66 and sweeps that season series, which had not happened in a long time. To me, I think that was a very important week for the Badgers. It showed me a lot about them. They can win in a variety of ways and defensively they are capable of playing at an extremely high level, which is going to be so important here over the next two months. This team is interesting defensively. You mentioned the Michigan State game, and I want to talk about it. And then that, you know, that Michigan State win leads to them rising to sixth in the AP poll this week, which I want to talk about too. But I don't want to skip over the Minnesota game because it was truly one of my favorite Badger games I watched in a while. And I know it was a little bit of a mess. I think it it was closer in the second half than it should have been. I mean, Minnesota just hit everything. And the crowd was into it, and you tip your cap. And I I don't think that Minnesota hit a lot of those threes. And you can correct me if I'm wrong because – the Badgers were poor defensively. They might've had some hiccups, but I think mostly it was Minnesota just playing out of their mind. And, and yet Wisconsin and, and AJ store and others find the buckets that they need late. 
and they get the stops that they need late. And it was this awesome college basketball game that came down to the wire. And since we're talking about defense, I think Jesse, one of my favorite things about this team uh, is late in a game, final two minutes, batters are up three, four points. And I just get to watch Chucky Hepburn and Max Klesman dig in defensively. And in, in that spot, it's almost like watching a football team with a two score lead letting their pass rushers go get after the quarter. It's so fun to watch Wisconsin's backcourt, Klesmet and Hepburn specifically, just dig in in crunch time and make it so hard on opposing ball handlers. And we saw that against Minnesota. Saw it against Michigan State too, but Minnesota's the game where it comes to mind. I'm glad you brought that up, Grant, because I've said before, if we're really breaking down defensively, matchup-based, I always feel good about a matchup that involves Chucky Hepburn on his man and Max Klesmet on his man. Chucky defensively, is so good. He's got he's averaging more steals per game this season than he has in his previous two years. And we know that Max Klesman is going to be tasked with guarding one of the other team's best guards, if not the best guard. And he's so tenacious that he's exactly the kind of player that you'd love to get the 26 points from him. But if he gives you six points, but defends the heck out of the other team's best guard, you feel good about that too. So of course, it's uh, it's been crucial for those two to play well defensively, but everybody else to fill in around them. And they they're still they're in the top fifty in adjusted defensive efficiency at this point in the Ken Palm rankings. I think right now Wisconsin is forty three, um, and they've kind of been in that window this season. They were thirty five a couple weeks ago after that two game stretch that we talked about with Penn State and Indiana. They fell to fiftieth, but they're coming back up. And I like the thing that's interesting about this team is. We've seen some Wisconsin teams that are an elite level defensive team consistently, but they don't score the way this team does. And so I don't necessarily think this team even has to play elite defense. I think they can be very good and continue to win games because offensively they have just been so good and so efficient right now. Wisconsin offensively is fourth in the country in terms of adjusted offensive efficiency. And it's one of the best that Wisconsin has had in the last 20, 25 years. So that combination helps to make this team so entertaining. You know, and I, I'm tempted to say something like, well, this isn't your grandpa's Badgers, but it's not even like your older brother's Badgers, your older brother that graduated in 2017. Like this is this is not a, a Badgers team that I've really seen a, at any point in my Badgers fan. They can just score, but they keep for the most part, they keep, like you said, it's not like their defense is awful. Their defense is still pretty good. It's just oftentimes overshadowed by their offense. And they've been making free throws in the clutch. I, it was not lost on me. And we can talk about the Michigan State game as well, although Minnesota, the Minnesota game was just so fun. I loved talking about it last week. But it was not lost on me when Tom Izzo on Saturday night or, or Friday night was asked, you know, what does A.J. Storr do well? He gave a laundry list of things, right? He handles the ball. He attacks. He shoots threes. He, but he makes his free throws, too. And this team, now Tyler Wall's making his free throws in crunch time. They just don't really give the defense any breaks, right? They, they don't turn the ball over for the most, but they've had their issues. Their, their principle is still take care of the ball late, work for the best shot. And basically all these guys can hit their foul shots. And when you factor that with the defense on the other end, Klesmet and Hepburn that we were just talking about, no wonder this team is, is really good down the stretch. They're so comfortable clinging to a small lead against a, a formidable big 10 opponent, even on the road. Yeah. For a team to shoot 77.6% from the free throw line as Wisconsin is right now, is such a bonus and Zach and I have talked before about what Wisconsin used to want to do under Bo Ryan was make as many free throws as the other team attempts, which is mm -hmm. extremely difficult to do. 
And here we are almost halfway through the Big Ten season and obviously the non-conference season. Opponents have attempted 325 free throws. Wisconsin has made 318 free throws. So you shoot it at a high rate. And I do have to give Tyler Wall a ton of credit. He's had issues with free throw shooting, but this year he's been so good. He's hitting 69.2% of his free throws. And that's important because he's also attempting more than anybody else. And sometimes Wisconsin has had trouble as a team where you had guys who could make free throws, but the ones who were attempting it the most struggled the most. And that mm-hmm. brought the whole team's percentage down. And that's not what's going on this season. You have Tyler hitting almost 70%. AJ Storr shooting the second most free throws on the team. He's hitting over 84%. And Max Klesman's 88%. John Blackwell's 84%. Those percentages are outstanding. And Stephen Krause at 74%. So when all the guys that you need to hit free throws that are in the game and crunch time can do that, it makes you so dangerous. And what it does is it doesn't give teams an opportunity to get a leg up late in games by stealing a point or two at the free throw line. You're constantly in chase mode and that makes it really difficult. And and Minnesota, to be fair, might've had a chance. Like one of my favorite basketball cliches is nothing kills a comeback like miss free throws. Right. And, and Minnesota did their damn. I mean, they made more threes. It felt like than free throws. I actually think that th- that would reflect in the box score. I think they were what, like three of 15 or something four of 15 something ridiculous like that from the free throw line. Um, So, you know, especially against a team like Minnesota, you know, who can't do themselves any favors at the free throw line. And and when you think about their late game defense, Chucky and and, and Klesman, we talked about that, and their ability to get to the line and make their shots and and, and their ability to kind of bring it all together in the closing minutes, there's this recipe, Jesse, and I first maybe noticed it uh, against Marquette, and I've seen it again where, the Badgers, as the second half rolls on, they start to build a little bit of a lead. They maybe absorb a run from the other team, but they're so comfortable being up seven, up to up seven to 11, somewhere in that window, because Chucky's always going to get you the right shot. And for the most part, never turn the ball over. You're not going to miss free throws. And now Stephen Crowell, if he gets a double in the paint, they've gotten so good at cutting around him and making plays off of him. This is just such a good team in the second half to play with a lead. They're so hard to come back on right when you combine all these factors and with the team uh, with an offense like this that they can get out to a lead basically whenever they want no wonder teams are struggling to beat this badgers team in the big 10 it's a recipe and a formula that makes perfect sense i think the best way to put it is this feels to me like one of the most complete teams in college basketball obviously there are a handful of other teams who you could say that about purdue which is going to be coming in here on Mm -hmm. sunday and that's going to be an electric environment but you talk about stephen crowell And I think that's a really important point. He's got to be one of the best passing big men in the country. And it's something, it's a skill set that he's had since he got here. I remember talking to Greg Gard about this in the year where Steven was helping out more in terms of scout team situations in his first year that he could find somebody. If, if they doubled him, he does, he is very cool under pressure, which you don't normally find from seven footers. Usually they panic. They put the ball on the ground, which is the absolute worst place that you can put it to try and dribble because you got smaller guards who can take it away. He is such a calm and collected customer that he will look for his shot, but if it's not there, you're right. The players around him know how to cut, but he also knows how to find them, which is so important. And I, I talk about the complete team. It goes back to the depth that they had. There are so many reasons why this Wisconsin team is entertaining and playing so well, but those are certainly a few of them. And the close games thing is really interesting to me too, because this team lived and died on the last two games on those games decided by five points or fewer and had a winning record. They didn't have a game that was decided by five points or fewer this season until that four point loss against Penn state. And some of it does have to do with when the game gets close, Wisconsin finds a way to pull away. But I think those 
kinds of games are so important too. And the Minnesota game going back to it is a perfect example. If you're going to need to win a one possession game when you get into late in conference play, the Big Ten tournament, the NCAA tournament. So while there haven't been a ton of them, uh, they're they're just capable of winning in a variety of ways. And uh, this is another big week. I feel like you could say that every week about this program, but they've got to go on the road to play a Nebraska team that just beat the snot out of Purdue earlier this season and is very capable. And Purdue, which is playing as well as anybody, uh, two top six teams, it's going to be so much fun. Well, and going into this game, all of a sudden, Wisconsin is number six in the AP yeah. poll, right? They, they jumped up a couple of spots earlier this week. Um, I, I think... I needed to see this as a Wisconsin fan, not not to get any sort of gratification, um, not that the Badger spot in the AP poll necessarily means anything in late January. I hear Zach say all the time, and and Zach is much more reasonable. When I have Badgers conversations with Zach, he's the much more reasonable party between the two of us. He's like, you know, you make your legacy in March, right? Uh, the season is is decided in March. So jumping to six in the AP poll doesn't, doesn't mean anything, except it, it reminds me as a fan, Jesse, because I don't cover the team like you and Zach. That, oh yeah, what this team is doing, it's not, this is not just your run of the mill. Oh, it's the Badgers. They're very good again this year. Like, no, this is a team on a higher level to the point where Zach, you know, they sweep or, uh, or Jesse, they, they sweep Northwestern, a team that swept them last year. Northwestern's better this season. And then they sweep Michigan state. And I don't know the last time they did that against Michigan state. Um, and, and it's not only just to beat Michigan state twice, but to really lead wire to wire and comfortably win both games that's not normal that's not an, an average thing that Wisconsin does season by season and I think the AP poll that came out this week is reflective oh yeah this is not just a good Badgers team the type that we maybe see every year this is next level yeah well with regards to the Michigan State series it's the first home and away season sweep Wisconsin has had against the Spartans since 2003-2004 so 20 years now yeah. they don't necessarily have an opportunity to play a home and away series every season just because of the way the Big Ten is but it says a lot about where Wisconsin is right now as a program. Even if Michigan State isn't at the level we've seen previous Tom Izzo teams, the Spartans came into that game having won eight of their last 10 and were playing good basketball. So there's that part of it. And with the AP ranking, I, I actually do think this is important in just the context of what it means for where this program is at. It's not important on a week to week basis in January, right, Grant? Because go back to that season in 06 07 where they had such a great team they finally got to number one in february it was such a big deal for the program and then they lost <laughs> and mm -hmm. so and obviously brian butch had the injury the team didn't do what it wanted to do in the ncaa tournament so everything in terms of ap rankings comes with a caveat of this is where you're at right now not necessarily reflective of where you're going to be at in march but when you get to number six, like Wisconsin is right now, it's a good reminder that it is rarefied territory for a program that has been consistently good. And they've spent a lot of weeks in the AP top 25, but the last time they were number six was the 2020-21 season. So they, they were fourth in the first week of that season and then lost a handful of games, got back to number six, obviously fell off significantly. But you'd have to go back before that to the 2014-15 season, which – I mean, if you're talking about your older brother's basketball teams, if it's an older, older brother, that's the greatest team Wisconsin's ever had. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll fight to the death on that one. Uh, they were just ridiculous. And that team obviously reached number two. Now, Duke was really good that year. Kentucky was really good that year. But it just doesn't happen very often is my point when you get to number six. Certainly, Wisconsin has been 15th or 18th or 23rd. I do think, though, that when you get to this level, 
there should be an appreciation if you're a Badgers fan for what this means because you are playing at an elite level. And while Wisconsin has been really good in a lot of years, to play at this level is something that doesn't happen as often. Well, and it's, you know, it's funny. The two times that they've been ranked higher uh, was a, a team that went to a national title game and lost to Duke. And then the team that was coming off of a national title in the pandemic, or at least a, a mathematical national title. So pretty rare error uh, for this Badgers team to be. And I, I would agree, like being rated high in the AP is, is a marker of, of, you know, how good a team is. And you can compare that to previous teams. I, I guess my point is, as a fan, like I'm not someone every week waiting for the AP to come out and then you know, I'm not going to get mad and, and tweet up a storm if my Badgers aren't as high as I think they should be. Uh, you are correct, and, and then it all matters. I, I, you know, throughout this season, Jesse, watching AJ Store doing what he's doing and Klesman especially, you know, as much as an AP rating is kind of a message to the rest of the college basketball world, this, you know, this is how successful we are. Pay attention to us. You know, recruits take note. I've really been impressed with store and Klesman. And I think that's a message to college basketball players around the country. Like this can be a transfer destination. If you think you've outgrown your spot or you're looking for a change, this is a place that you can come and find the best version of yourself as a basketball player, as Klesman is doing in year two in Wisconsin. And AJ store didn't even take him two years. He's lighting it up and he's a star in year one. So I, I think that's important too. That's a little bit of a message being sent to the rest of the college basketball world. Yeah, I think the AJ Store situation is the best example of that. The, the Max Klesman situation, yes, he was a transfer. He went to Wofford, but he's also a kid from Nina. I mean, he's a home state guy. True. To go get a guy like AJ Store is so important because he was an All Big East freshman performer as a last year at at St. John's and could have gone anywhere. I mean, he had more than thirty schools reach out to him. I, I talked to him about this. He had other visits lined up for like UConn, Xavier. Didn't end up taking him because. Wisconsin was on him right away. And I wrote about this a few weeks ago, but Sharif Chambliss, the assistant coach, really has a lot to do with helping to, to get AJ and Greg Gard, certainly as well. They lost the NIT semifinal game against North Texas, and they're on the tarmac waiting to go back. And Sharif is scrolling through Twitter, and he finds out AJ Store is entering the transfer portal. The same day that they didn't score a point for the last nine-plus minutes to end their yeah. season. And they knew they knew what AJ could do because they just don't have those kinds of athletic wings every year. Now they did have it a couple years ago with Johnny Davis. It's funny. Every time they have a player that feels transcendent, there are questions that come up about, well, can what this player, uh, what he's doing, will it translate to recruiting? And it doesn't yeah. necessarily always happen because you're just not going to get a lottery pick every year. Like with Johnny Davis. Oh, well, how does this impact recruiting? But with the AJ Store thing, I, I think it may even be more important just because of the nature of what the transfer portal has become, Grant. Every year you're going to lose guys who aren't happy with their role, and every year you're going to need to replace them or upgrade the talent. Just like we see with football now, it's on a different kind of level in basketball because you're not going to get 12 or 15 guys. But if you can get that one guy who can be a difference maker, it, we see what it means for the team this year. And I think you can sell future prospects on what AJ Store is doing right now. Like, hey, we had a need. This is the message that we had for him. We, you need us uh, because we can develop you. We can make you a more complete player, but we need you too. We don't have a player like you on our roster. And when you can merge those two together with a guy who's willing to come in and be a part of the team, you see the fruits of that labor. He's averaging 16 points a game. He just went off for 28. He can score at all three levels. He has helped to transform this team. And I think that other transfers can look at that and say, I can come to Wisconsin and do that too. 
It's funny you mentioned recruiting because because that's an age old topic that I that I think maybe people that specialize in covering or talking about college sports, they get a little sick of that. It's like, well, what can this Johnny Davis successful run do for recruiting? It's like, well, there's only so many Johnny Davises, right? They they are basically lottery tickets, so probably not as much as you think. But but the way that you broke down the AJ store transfer. Yeah, I think maybe there's there's even more impact to, to messaging to the rest of the college basketball world. If you're unhappy with your role, if it's not working out, we have a need. You have a need. This is a place that you can come and flourish. You've seen AJ Store up close really every step of the way in his first year with Wisconsin here. Have you seen him grow as a badger? Have you seen him maybe put things together? It's like, oh, this is going to work best this way in my new home. This is what they like to do. I'm going to kind of tweak this part of my game to, to mix and match. Like, Have you seen growth or has he really been steady Eddie since night one and it clicked from night one? Well, I think there's always continuous growth. I mean, what I, it's hard to say from game to game, like, oh, well, this is where he's better against Michigan State than where he sure. was against Ohio State three weeks earlier, um, because he's had all of that in him. But the areas of growth that I think stand out most from talking to Greg and, and Sharif and some of his teammates are, first of all, defensively, uh, you're going to have to play sound defensively and stick to your principles and rules and Greg Gard system if you want to be a consistent threat we've seen what happens like with a Connor siege. And if you get beat defensively, you can be a good shooter, but you need to be good on both ends. Offensively. One of the things that they've, excuse me, they've talked about is him playing more off two feet when he gets into the lane. And what that means is I think what they saw at St. John's was he would just, he's so athletic and aggressive that he would drive into the lane, put his head down. And it didn't matter how many defenders were there. It didn't matter what they were trying to do to him. He was just going to put up a shot. Or he would get in the lane and he would shoot a fadeaway shot or an off-balance shot that's lower percentage. And they've worked with him to play more off two feet, which means uh, be smart about what you do when you get in the post, but take a good shot that is a higher percentage opportunity. And so I think those are little details that have helped to make AJ a better player, both offensively and defensively. He's always had the skill set. Like you cannot teach some of the things that he does, the explosiveness, the athleticism from the wing, the way that he can get out in transition. All they have to do is find him if it's a one-on-one or even a one-on-two and he'll figure out a way to get to the basket. And even when he's at the three-point line, because he's capable of hitting some of those shots, which he's done, you have to honor that. And he can shot Mm -hmm. fake and get into the lane in a flash and dunk on your head. So there are skills that he had before, but there are also skills that Greg and this staff has have taught him that have made him a more complete player. And, and those are some of the areas where he's improved. Well, and, and probably just taught him, maybe teach is the wrong word, probably just helped him fit in a team that was a better supporting cast. It's like, look, you don't need to take all these junk shots. Let's take out some of these inefficient shots. We still want you shooting, but let's have you focus on shooting the best shots. You can be a more efficient player. You can facilitate a little bit more and, and there will be more around you to support you. Um, and, and I don't know if that line of thinking is specific to Wisconsin. That That's just a line of thinking that applies when a, a great player joins a better team with a better, probably higher floor supporting cast. You know, I, I mentioned earlier that Izzo waxed poetic about all the things and all the different ways that AJ Store is dangerous. He also waxed poetic about Chucky Hepburn in a way that you don't often see coaches do, right, Jesse? And, and well, you can speak to that more, but I... I don't often see a college basketball coach talk about an opposing player like, yeah, I'm jealous that Greg Gard gets to coach him. I'm I'm envious of everything that he does for that team. He's basically running the show out there. I I, I think 
the better supporting cast, how it's benefited AJ Store. I think the same is true with Chucky Hepburn because everyone this year has raised their level a little bit. Store is in the mix, Blackwell is in the mix, and now Hepburn, he doesn't really have to score at all. And he's this tremendously effective player. It was interesting to hear Izzo talk about that so directly on Saturday or Friday night. Friday night. On the surface, you see, oh, his scoring's gone way down. He averaged 12.2 points per game last season, and now he's averaging seven and a half points per game, which is the fewest that he's had per game since he got here. Even as a freshman, he was at 7.9 points per game. But I think what people, if they look deeper, realize is exactly what you're talking about and what Tom Izzo sees, everything that Chucky can do for this team. And it's a two-way street, right? AJ Store comes here, and he could average 25 points per game, but if everyone around him just defers and isn't very good or efficient, then this team's no good. Well, Wisconsin is 16 and four overall and eight and one in the Big Ten as we're having this conversation because it's more than just AJ Store. It's the supporting cast that he has around him and the way that they play off each other. And Chucky is a perfect example of that. And one of the things Sharif talked about, and I know I've mentioned this on the swing here in the last few weeks, but what AJ's arrival has done is it has allowed the other guys to take on roles that suit them a little bit better. And in particular, Chucky Hepburn and Tyler Wall. They don't have to be the man every night, and Wisconsin doesn't have to, have to ask them to score 16, 18 points a game. They can get their points where they come, but they can be efficient. They can pass the ball, and this office, offense can function in a better way. But with regard to Chucky, I think there are a few things that, that stand out. Um, and this has been a big topic of conversation since the offseason, but he lost a ton of weight. He was 205 pounds last season, and I actually just talked to him last week for a story that I'm writing about Wisconsin strength and conditioning coach, Jim Snyder, which is going to be publishing in the athletic on Wednesday. He weighed in last week. Chucky did at 189 pounds. Um, I think the goal was to get to 195, but he feels fit and trim. He's quicker. He's more athletic. It was a long process for him. And he talked about what his meals looked like before he said, I ate junk food, lunch, and dinner. He didn't yep. even eat, he didn't even eat breakfast. And so Snyder has really helped work with him on his diet. They both deserve credit. Chucky deserves credit for sticking with it. But that has made such a huge difference in his stamina, athleticism, quickness. And on you add to that the players that are around Chucky, but also the offensive system and, and the, the continuity ball screen offense that Greg has implemented, which frequently puts the ball in Chucky's hands and asks him to make a good decision. That's where he's great. So. I know this is a long answer, Grant, but there are a lot of reasons why Chucky is playing great basketball, and it's all added up to this team playing uh, really, really well and being so entertaining. Well, and I think every player on this team looks better than last year because the context has changed for just about every player. So I, I remember, and in, in you and Zach, I would imagine, had a lot of these same conversations. When we were coming into this season, it's like, well, they brought back just about everybody but the team wasn't that great last year. Like they were right. just mostly fine. So we were struggling to kind of see it. And, and AJ store, I, I don't know if we expected him to be this great. He's obviously made a big difference in John Blackwell as well. But I think the reason that Crowell looks a little bit better, Tyler wall looks a little bit better. Hepburn looks a little bit better is everyone's having to do just a little bit less, right? Everyone's responsibility has been backed off just a little bit because the team is a little bit deeper there, I think there's more parts to this machine now where every part in the machine has to do just a little bit less. And that's allowing Wall to flourish and Hepburn to really just run the show, as Izzo said, and AJ Store to really just score and create. I, it, it's amazing how every player looks different and the team looks so much better when you just change the context a tiny little bit. And maybe saying tiny is unfair to, to how great AJ Store has been because he was an offseason addition, but 
it's really just backing everyone's roll off a little bit and all these players in the team, it's been so much better as a result. I think there was a sense in the off season of, Oh great. Everyone's back. And maybe I'm speaking more for the fan and then also, Oh great. <laughs> everyone's yep. back because yep. it was like, yeah, you'd love to have experience and guys who have been through the wars, but they also really struggled <laughs> late last season. And Greg has talked about this. If everybody was going to come back, they all needed to make strides to show that they were better players this year. And I think they've certainly done that, but it doesn't hurt to add AJ store. And while we're having this conversation, John Blackwell and Nolan winter, because they're rotational pieces, John's playing 18 minutes a game. Nolan's playing about 10 minutes a game. John does a lot of different things. Well, and I think Nolan's starting to come a little bit more into his own. He hit a couple three pointers in, in the last game and, and can give you good minutes when Steven Crowell isn't on the floor. So that gives you the depth that, as you're talking about, can allow guys to rest a little bit more, to not have to do more than what they're capable of. And when you can roll nine or ten guys out there on the court and stay fresh, it makes a big difference. So there, there are a lot of reasons why this Wisconsin team is playing well, but the depth is certainly one of them. And as I spin this forward, I'm really eager to see what this team does here in the last 11 Big Ten games of the regular season because – the Nebraska game we talked about, the Purdue game is coming up. To me, those are the two. That's the cream of the crop right now in the Big Ten. It's Wisconsin and Purdue. Illinois is is hanging around and certainly capable of making a run. But beyond that, I'm not sure I see any team threatening for a Big Ten championship. And Wisconsin has a legitimate chance here to capture the Big Ten regular season crown by itself, which doesn't yeah. happen too often. And uh, they've got all the pieces, it feels like, to be able to pull it off. Well, let's look forward to this Purdue game. I've been wanting to do this for, for a half hour now as we record. This is an awesome basketball game. I'm going to be traveling um, out west for work. Otherwise, I would be at this game one way or another, whether I'd try to weasel my way in as a as a member of the media or just buy a, a seat and be a fan. I'm, I'm really bummed that I can't be here. Um, this is – it's certainly the biggest game since the Marquette game, the way I view it, especially home game, I, I suppose – what are you, as you start to preview this game, obviously Edie, right, and Stephen Crowell, that's going to be a big matchup. But what angles and points of interest in this game upcoming on Sunday are you looking forward to most and, and you're diving and digging into as we prepare for this game this week? Well, you mentioned Zach Edie is almost uh, like an obvious choice, but there, there's a reason why. I, I He's averaging 23 points a game, 11 and a half rebounds. He's an unbelievable player. He's 7-4. Like, how are they going to deal with that? It, Steven Crowell is going to have to be a man out there and yeah. uh, play one of his best games. And even if it doesn't necessarily show up offensively in the stat line, defensively, he's he's got to be able to control Edie. But Purdue can score in so many ways. They have four guys averaging at least 11 points per game. They're 19-2. and two. They, like, if, if I say Wisconsin is one of the most complete teams, Purdue might be the most complete team. Um, it's, more, it's more surprising when they lose than than when they win especially probably who they lost to i mean they, they lost in nebraska by 16 points and uh they lost to northwestern in overtime but it turned out northwestern was a better better team than people envisioned so like that's the one matchup that i want to see the most just because of how good Edie is and the kinds of games he can have against wisconsin but can wisconsin play at a consistently high level the entire game on both ends of the floor because that's what it's going to take to win and frankly this is a maybe secondary storyline, but just the Cole Center atmosphere. I've said this before. Cole Center is a great venue. It seats a lot of people. 
but there are only a handful of games each year where you really feel like this is one of the most special environments in college basketball. And it's understandable because not every game is going to give you number six versus number two, but yeah. this is one of those games, just like the Marquette game was it's, it's going to be absolutely insane in there. And I, I can't wait to cover it. Well, and you know, certain radio personalities, I maybe at uh, certain points in time have, have used this topic. It's like, well, why is the Kohl's center so quiet? Or at least it sounds quiet on our television screens. And I, like, I don't blame folks, you know, when when Nebraska or, you know, pick any kind of run-of-the-mill Big Ten team is in town and it's Tuesday night and the game is at 7 and it's cold. Like, you're just not going to get that atmosphere. I think the Coles Center's fastball on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon against Marquette or this weekend against Purdue, I think it's as good of an atmosphere as, as just about any place in college basketball. I think the atmosphere itself is going to play a massive role, and I have no doubt that the atmosphere will be great. I don't think we're going to be talking about how – you know, fans need to stand up or fans need to be louder come next week. You know, you mentioned Zach Eady and uh, versus Stephen Crowell. Maybe is there a, a certain level of passivity that Crowell needs to find in the first half? Because in games like this, I, I find it's often the big that stays out of foul trouble and the big that's able to play kind of without restriction and without concern later in crunch time in the second half. It's often that big that's in a better position to succeed and to play well what is the game script? What is the the playbook like for trying to match up with Zach Eady for 40 minutes? I, I just, how does that have to work for Crowell? What are you going to watch for? Well, I, I certainly wouldn't use the word passive, but I understand what you mean. I think it's sure. uh, in, intelligent <laughs> defense, but there are going to be times where Edie puts you in a difficult position and you end up fouling when you don't want to. Some of it may come down to how the officials call the game. It's going to be tough to stay out of foul trouble. I, I, yeah. He's just so efficient. I, I look at his last five games. He's gone 30, 33, 30, and then 16 and 26. And all of that is making like 60, 70, 80% of his shots in a game. So he's just going to put you in a tough spot. But this is one of those games where, you know, Crowell is playing at, to me, like an all Big Ten level. And he's going to have to be that guy for them. But it's I don't know. It's tough because I don't think I like, I don't think Wisconsin is just going to throw and maybe they do a double team at Edie every time Purdue so good that if you leave somebody open, they're going to make you pay. So Wisconsin's bigs are just going to have to play as strong as they have all season. Is this, I so I'm a big Nolan winter fan. Um, mm -hmm. and I've, and I've enjoyed the the run, albeit limited, although I don't, you know, he's, if he's getting double digit minutes on average a night, I don't know that you can call that limited for a freshman, but not getting the run that certainly some of their veterans are getting, but I've really enjoyed watching him. This might be a this might be a tough game for young, young Nolan Winter. Uh, like this is this is grown men Big Ten basketball. My concern, I guess, is if Crowell gets banged around and he needs to go to the bench because he's in foul trouble or he needs a rest. I don't even know who their second option is. I, I don't know that they have a good second option to try to stick on Zach Eady even for a couple of minutes while Crowell gets a rest or, or he gets some relief from from just staying away from from picking up fouls. I don't know what they do. Yeah, it's a great point. Winter's 6'11", but he's still a freshman. Um, you know, Carter Gilmore gives you a lot, but he'd be giving up eight inches, <laughs> nine yeah. inches on, on Edie. So uh, it'll be a fun and interesting matchup to watch, but produce more than Zach Edie, and that's what makes them so special. But I'm just – I'm excited to see the atmosphere and, and how Wisconsin performs because this, to me uh, – I'm not going to say it's the decider in the Big Ten because these teams are going to meet <laughs> in uh, at the end of the regular season in West Lafayette. But these two games are going to go a long way in my mind to, to deciding how the Big Ten 
regular season champion plays out. Well, 100%. And, and you can't ask for a better spot to get a team like this, right? They'll have three days rest. It's not like they're they're coming off of a long road trip. They'll be home in Nebraska, plenty of time to spare. It's afternoon at your home building on like the main, it's on CBS, which for me as a sports fan, like that's something that I, I care about. You guys cover the team. Like for whatever reason, the network that the game is on changes how I changes how I view and perceive how big the game is. Wisconsin can't ask for a better spot and a better location and a better time for this matchup, right? Like this is as good as it gets. Yep. A hundred percent agree. Um, they're playing good basketball. So is Purdue. They're the two best teams in the big 10. The atmosphere is going to be fantastic and uh, yeah. it's going to be fun. So I want to ask you about your story that you have coming out about Jim Snyder. Can I ask you one throwaway question? And this is, this is, this is a very selfish question because it's something that I noticed last week during the Minnesota game. And I haven't bumped into Zach and had a chance to ask him about it. And I haven't had a Badgers reporter on my show or on our network in the last week. And you mentioned Carter Gilmore's name. And before we wrap up, I talk about your story. I wanted to ask you about Carter Gilmore because I was watching the Minnesota game last week. And I just noticed in between plays and during timeouts and in between free throws, Carter Gilmore is very active and he's very vocal. And he's a part of all these conversations and a part of all these huddles. And, you know, a lot of Badgers fans, I talk to him, they call my show, you know, I'm, I, Carter Gilmore, like, I don't, fans don't know what he does, right? He's just kind of been there for the last few years. And I don't think fans maybe appreciate the role that he plays on this team. And I'm watching last week, like, no, he's, he's in all these conversations. He's a, he's a valued active voice. Can you tell me maybe about the role that Carter Gilmore plays? Because I, I don't know that a lot of Badgers fans really understand and know a lot about the role that he plays on this team. It's easy to notice the guys who come off the bench and give you something right away that's obvious. Connor Seijan's coming off the bench, and he's a great three-point shooter. Uh, Kamari McGee, who's hurt right now, but he comes in off the bench, and he can give you three steals in a couple of minutes. Yeah, John Blackwell can do a lot of different things. Same with Nolan Winter, but you're right. Carter Gilmore gets in there, and against Minnesota, for example, he plays eight minutes. He scores two points. But he also gets a rebound. He gets an assist. He doesn't turn the ball over. He plays good defense, and he's a vocal leader for this team. And so not everybody who has a role on this team and gets minutes is going to have a role that is as noticeable as other guys, but that doesn't mean they're not important. And Zach and I have had numerous conversations, more so in previous years when Wisconsin really didn't have much in the way of bench play, particularly right. front court bench play. So perhaps it's mitigated a little bit now because you can have a Nolan Winter who can play more minutes but it's important to have a veteran voice, someone who's been there through a lot, someone who people listen to, and someone who will come in and make the right decisions and do what he's asked to do, even if that means rebounding and setting screens and getting an occasional putback. So he'll give you everything that he has. Uh, and even if it's not flashy, it's been an important piece to this team. All right. So tell me before we wrap up here about your story coming out about Jim Snyder, you said strength and conditioning staff. You know, it's funny because, you know, I talk about all Wisconsin sports teams and the Packers they fire their strength and conditioning coach. And it's not something we often talk about in pro sports, except for when guys are hurt, you know, then, uh, then fans want, you know, whoever the trainer is fired. We don't know his name, but in college sports, we talk about, especially with football, like Luke Fickles talked about the strength and conditioning staff. That's the lifeblood of a program. We don't often talk about it with basketball. So tell me about the story you have coming out and Jim Schneider, who's been there. What he's a 19 year veteran uh, around Wisconsin athletics now, but it's not a man that I know much about. So I'm glad the story's coming out. Tell us about it. Yeah, well, this is his third year full-time with the basketball program, but he spent the 2021 uh, season or 2020-2021 season doing double duty because he was the men's and women's hockey strength and conditioning coach for a dozen years, 
and then also did basketball that year. But you're right. I think guys like this are so important to the team. They're around the players as much as anybody, if not more. And I had a chance to watch a, a pre-practice workout that, that he led the team through and, and talked to Jim and, and Greg and some of the players. What stands out to me about him, and this is a part of the story, are the variety of ways in which he impacts the team. So I think when people envision what a strength and conditioning coach is, they imagine the super jack dude who's bench pressing 300 pounds, who's screaming a lot, who's got his whistle, and that's all he does. But he he touches this team in a lot of different ways. Like, And I'll give an example. We talked about that Minnesota game. So one of the things that Jim does is he will guide players through breathing exercises in the middle of a game, like during a media timeout. And there was a stretch in the second half that I was talking about before where Minnesota closed the gap, took a lead, and it feels like maybe the walls are closing in around Wisconsin because the crowd is going nuts. You're on the road. And he just very quietly and soothingly tells the guys to breathe through their nose. And um, there is a, a scientific method behind that. He talks about the, the parasympathetic nervous system and and how important it is to stay focused and calm in those kinds of moments and not get overwhelmed. But it's small things like that that can go a long way. So he does breathing exercises with them. He does meditation exercises with them. He he uh, did a training at the Center for Healthy Minds, which is on campus. Um, and that's kind of unique to him. And he's a licensed massage therapist. Like I, I saw at the end of the one of the pre-practice workouts, uh, a player was kind of tweaked something real quick and he could take him over to the massage table and work through it immediately. And that guy was ready to go for practice. So uh, he's just so important. And, and Greg talked how he defined it as called Jim, a game changer. Uh, and I know you pro probably can say a lot of these things about a lot of strength coaches across the country in terms of the impact they have on players. But I think Jim is unique for the number of ways that he impacts the team and, um, maybe one of those behind the scenes guys who has contributed to the success. I shouldn't say maybe definitely one of those guys who has contributed to the team's success and someone that not a lot of people know about. Well, that's cool. And I appreciate you covering that. That'll be out at the athletic just a little bit later this week. And you are correct. When, uh, when people think of strength and conditioning coaches, that is the exact image I have in my mind of a super Jack dude yelling, blowing a whistle, uh, maybe eating like a piece of raw beef or something like that's yes that's just what I picture in my mind so I'm excited to read your story Jesse I appreciate you and I appreciate you putting up with me as I fill in for Zach this week and allowing me to pick your brain about this Badgers team they've been so fun to watch so I look forward to your story and enjoy especially the Purdue game Nebraska and Purdue but that Purdue game on Sunday is going to be special so enjoy it and we look forward to your reporting on it very much looking forward to it thanks Grant it's been fun and we'll uh, see everyone again next week on the swing